You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good morning, West Side. Thank you, Jess, for sharing personally and leading our thoughts in communion. And again, uh, thanks to all the veterans in our congregation and out there watching today. Uh, very grateful for that kind of service. Today we're talking about part two of a radical transfer of power. And last week we talked about transferring power to the real king, who is Jesus. And he came not only as the king, but of course he brought his kingdom. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the radical transfer of power in our allegiance and to which kingdom uh, we give our allegiance. So I want to begin by telling you a little story about uh, 15 years ago, I had the opportunity to do the Pledge of Allegiance for the uh, San Bernardino County Board of Supervisors. And unfortunately, uh, actually they invited me first of all to do the opening prayer, and then it was last minute that they said, hey, could you do the Pledge of Allegiance? And I was like, no problem, I'll do it. But I hadn't done it since I was in preschool, and so when I got up there, I, I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> I think I forgot how it started. Of course, I have it on the screen for all of us, and uh, we're, we do it in preschool uh, or in elementary school. Uh, most Americans do. It's, it's not, you don't have to. It's up to the parents, but most schools do do it. And luckily for me, the, the, the supervisor who had invited me to do the opening prayer uh, loudly started, you know, I pledge allegiance. And so I, of course, joined and everyone joined and no, no one really noticed. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. You guys remember that? Actually... Uh, this kind of pledge was used and developed by Francis Bellamy in 1892, and it was a formally adopted by Congress as the pledge in 1942, and the official name, Pledge of Allegiance, was adopted in 1945. They added the words, uh, under God in, uh, 1954, uh, really to combat the rise of socialism and wanting to be uh, set apart from that political ideology with the words under God added in. So we say the pledge, other countries have pledges as well, and normally you have uh, citizenship within the country where you were born. So this morning, just to see, I think most of us here probably watching were born in the United States, but many of us have dual citizenship or were born other places. So just to keep you engaged, why don't you put in the chat, where you were born, maybe what state in America or what country you were born. I think it would be fascinating to see all the different places that we're from. The interesting thing about this pledge, of course, is the last line says, with liberty and justice for all. And the question that arises and arose in my mind in my early 20s was, is this in fact true? And I think we can say unequivocally that really with liberty and justice for all, is not a total reality for anyone in any country. Certainly not in the USA. Uh, we've had an awakening of different levels of injustice. The difficulties that uh, our country are, is going through relates to the reality that 
This just is not the reality of America. It's a goal, but certainly not a reality. And so today, I want to talk about where you pledge your allegiance. And I want to talk a little bit about the new kingdom, another kingdom, other than our national heritages that God is calling us to pledge allegiance to. And we had talked about this radical transfer of power to the new king, and we brought in the story of the Apostle Paul wanting to advance the message and truth of who Jesus is, and he travels to the city of Thessalonica. And so I want to begin today where we left off in that story of how he's propagating this new message of this new king, but part of it leads us into a great history study of this kingdom that God had planned for ages. So let's read together in 1 Thessalonians, or I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 17. We're going to read there in verse 1. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Take note of how he went into the synagogue on three days. There was a synagogue in this city, a faraway land in Macedonia, and they were able to dig into the scriptures. We continue reading. It says, Some of the Jews were persuaded of what Paul was talking about and joined Paul and Silas as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks. You see, there were both Jews and Greeks in the synagogue, and quite a few prominent women. This was a diverse outreach they were involved in. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out of the crowd, out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decree, saying, There is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. We had covered this. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Again, in this foreign city, a synagogue is found. And what we find here is God created perfect conditions, working through hundreds and hundreds of years to prepare for the establishment of this new kingdom. And I want to give you a little history lesson. I did study history at UCLA and have enjoyed learning the history of uh, biblical uh, backgrounds and a lot of what's going on here you'll find very fascinating. We're going to bring some of you up to speed on really how God had been working in the background to enable the advancement of his kingdom, his church. You know... The devout Jewish synagogues that were in Macedonia, how did they get there? It's very interesting. Uh, those didn't exist for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. You find that in the text here in uh, Acts 17 that 
they are intently studying and reasoning over a Bible that has been translated into Greek, the common language of that day. Uh, there are both Jews and Greeks, like I highlighted, studying in the synagogue. And interestingly, Paul and Silas and his traveling companions were easily able to safely travel from city to city because a road, the Via Ignatia, had been built by the Roman Empire for safe travel between these different cities. And so we find this reality. God is sovereign. And he has been working to help mankind see an ultimate allegiance to his kingdom is what he has always planned. We read in Psalm 33, verse 8 through 11, that all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere Him. For He spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of His heart through all generations. And what we find is that 600 years before Paul had come upon the scene in Macedonia and Thessalonica, he was responding to what God had done generations before. Uh, Of course, generations before that, uh, Daniel, the prophet, was captured and taken to Babylon because God was disciplining his people for disobedience. And Daniel is given this vision in Daniel chapter 2, which we'll read the end of here in a moment, which gives a foreshadowing of kingdoms that were to come. And he talks about how the Babylonian king, who had taken all the Jews captive, had actually uh, been the, the, the springboard to the Israelites studying the Bible in depth because they no longer had their, their temple they never, they no longer had their homeland, so they became deeply engaged in studying the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Furthermore, they in time, uh, learned that they were enabled by Cyrus, the great king of Persia, who came on the scene, to establish synagogues in city after city. All these historical events were taking place, uh, leading up to what God had planned through the sending of His Son. Interestingly as well, God sent the uh, Alexander the Great, the great leader of the uh, Grecian Empire, which is uh, in the story that Daniel recounts and interprets. It's the third kingdom of bronze. He was known for conquering all the land, and in particular, he made a point in translating all the most famous books of that day into the Greek language. He collected all these great books, and of course, one of those was the Hebrew Bible. And as a result, both Jews and Gentiles could now read the Bible in Greek, the common language of that day, because of what Alexander the Great had done 300 years before this. And then, to connect all the final dots, of course, the Roman Empire comes on the scene, and as the Roman Empire takes charge of the known world, they build these incredible roads um, throughout the Roman Empire to enable their armies to conquer lands, but also allowed great commerce and opened the door for the propagation of the faith in Paul's generation so that it would spread quite actively. So we find that God had been working in a powerful way. And I want to read from Daniel chapter 2, where we get the culmination of this prophecy 
and this vision that Daniel had had of that great statue with the four empires represented by the different uh, types uh, of metals comprising the statue in the dream that the king of Babylon had. At the end of his explanation, Daniel says in verse 44, In the time of those kings, this would be the king of, of the Roman Empire, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. So Daniel was given this great vision of what would happen in the future. He told the king of Babylon, and in fact, as we study history, we realize all those predictions came true and God had enabled these different events in history to occur to set the stage so his ultimate eternal kingdom, which is both the church and the reign of God, both now and then for eternity. And that kingdom came at the advent of Jesus Christ. And so, as Paul began to preach and teach in city after city, he was really being carried on the back of God's power and sovereignty, which had enabled things to be set up perfectly for his kingdom to be established. The question today that I want to ask all of you is what kingdom gets your pledge? Where do you really give your allegiance of time, of energy, of creative talent, and ultimately, where does your heart reside? Often we get distracted. We can easily get off focus. Certainly in our world today, the great temptation is to constantly read the news about all the political issues going on. Uh, this transfer of power, will it be done peacefully, which we pray it will? Uh, the different political factions that exist in our country and how the media continues to polarize us. I know my own wife realizes that the polarization that comes from social media has made her just want to get off it completely, which she's done lately. And I, I have not been on social media as well too often because I do see a polarization that I think is unhealthy. Interestingly, it's not just in America that we get off track or distracted. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to travel to Lebanon. And while there, uh, I had some conversations with some of the members of our church. And interestingly, um, one of them had gotten caught up in the politics of Lebanon at the time. And if you know anything about Lebanon, the politics there are far worse issues than we've got. They have six political parties. And of course, recently we heard about the ineptitude of the government and the political groups overseeing things where they allowed 2,000 pounds of explosives to reside in a, a popular port. Um, and of course, those exploded, created tremendous tragedy in that country, uh, destroyed some of the best parts of Lebanon, and they uh, ended up resigning. The whole political parties in power at that time resigned. So it's easy for us to be caught up in these politics and not realize that God has something outside of a kingdom of this world for us to be focused on. And what we find is Jesus says exactly that. In John chapter 18, one of my favorite verses, as Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate, 
before he's about to be crucified and hung on the cross, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now, my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. So he does have a kingdom. He has loyal subjects following him, serving him. And in fact, his kingdom is at war. It is at war against the principalities of this age. It is at war against the spiritual battles and the things that try to distract us from understanding God's eternal plan. And just like in all nations, like we honor our veterans who give their life for, many of them, for the cause of their country, uh, so Jesus calls us into his kingdom and has called us to be willing to give our life. Unfortunately, many of us are too distracted by the things of this world. And it takes away our understanding of where our allegiance really needs to lie. And so today, I really want us to think about where do you pledge allegiance? What has been taking most of your time? Here's a question for you. If you call yourself a Christian, if you say, yeah, I am following Jesus, I want you to rank, do you read the Bible more frequently or are you reading internet news channels or watching news or reading things other than the Bible more? If you had to rank them, you know, 60-40, 50-50, 70-20 or 70-30 rather, uh, what percentage would you rank yourself? If you want to put that in the chat and be humble and admit that, uh, I'll confess, I read the Bible a lot, but I have read a lot of news. I'm reading right and left. I'm reading different things going on in our culture, trying to be aware. But sometimes I can get caught too much up in it. And I think we all need to be careful and realize that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. He has spiritual things in mind. What are the things that he has in mind? What is it we pledge our allegiance to when you pledge your allegiance to this new kingdom? We read in Colossians 1, verse 12, And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I love this. We are qualified when you are called by the fact that you are here today listening or sitting in your living room or wherever you're at with others in their living rooms or you're on your phone and you're listening to the word of God be preached. You are now qualified to share in the inheritance. Now, you're qualified, but you're going to have to respond. There's a response asked for by Jesus and by his kingdom. And as you study the scriptures, it's clear a new birth has to take place. A transference of power over to our eternal king and to his eternal kingdom means that we have to make great changes. It's exciting, but it's a kingdom of light, not a kingdom of darkness. And you know, our world in many ways has been thrown into darkness uh, through the uh, pandemic. And there is light at the end of the tunnel 
but it's difficult right now. And if you're, um, I know like my family, we, we've had some trials. We've had some challenges. There's some darkness. As we think about life right now in our home, uh, the kids are home. Nathan's home all day in school. Uh, my daughter's in school at home. And, you know, the household is full. And you don't have quite the same rhythm you would like. Um, we are catching news of, of friends and family and different individuals, even amongst the congregation, who are actually coming down with COVID. Our prayers are with those families. Our prayers are with uh, those of you who've had relatives. Some have had relatives have passed away. So there's a sort of darkness. Uh, we heard about the vaccine that had 90% uh, efficacy. And we thought, that's awesome. When's that coming out? And there's no telling how soon that will come out to sort of pull us out of this darkness of life in America right now. But it's not America, it's the whole world. But I want to call on you to realize that Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of light. Even amidst these kinds of trials and difficulties physically, we have a kingdom of light. And what we see here in the scripture is that Jesus says anyone that listens to him, that's in his kingdom, listens to the truth. Anyone on the side of truth listens to him. And so what we find is you have to ask, are you pledging allegiance to a kingdom of truth? or a kingdom of falsehood, which really is the world filled with falsehoods? Are you pledging allegiance, or will you pledge allegiance, to a kingdom of redemption, instead of a kingdom that says, you are not good enough? And that is the message oftentimes we hear in our culture, is that we are not good enough. But the scriptures are clear. You are redeemed because of the blood of Jesus. You are good enough. You are so valuable that God sent His Son, His most valuable, treasured relationship, and gave it up for a relationship with you. In the kingdom of light, it's a kingdom of redemption. And I hope that we believe in redemption, not only for ourselves, but for others as well. And sadly, sometimes we can hold others to a higher standard than we hold ourselves. Finally, we had read in Colossians that it's a kingdom of forgiveness. Now, the reality is it's far more than these three. The scriptures are filled so frequently with a reference to what the kingdom is all about. But I want us today to think about, are you making a pledge of allegiance to a kingdom of truth, a kingdom of redemption, and a kingdom of forgiveness? We need the forgiveness, and certainly others need our forgiveness. And if we will pledge ourselves to that, God will work in miraculous ways here uh, on the west side. He'll work in miraculous ways all throughout Los Angeles. He'll work in miraculous ways in all of our fellowships and churches that comprise our different uh, part of the kingdom of God here on earth. And I want to close just by sharing that God's asking for you to not get distracted by civilian affairs, so to speak, as it says in 1 Timothy, but to please your commanding officer, ultimately, which is Jesus. To stay focused on what your king wants. To think about where does your allegiance lie? Is it in the kingdom, the eternal, predicted, and fulfilled kingdom that is marching forward today, just like it was in Paul's day? Or is your allegiance, are you distracted? Maybe your kingdom is a kingdom of yourself. Maybe your kingdom is you're caught up in the politics of today. 
Maybe your kingdom is you're distracted by uh, ambitions for wealth. But Jesus is calling you to something richer and deeper and eternal. And so I want to close out with a little bit of good news. You know, all over our fellowship of churches, miracles are taking place. I've heard about baptisms and restorations place after place after place throughout the United States. I know up in Sacramento, our dear uh, brother uh, Keith and, and sister Sharon Davis are, are going to be moving to Jacksonville, Florida to lead that church. But even uh, with news of that, the church is continuing to baptize and flourish and do fantastic. Uh, here on the west side, we've been growing. So grateful for our campus ministry, uh, all the work that's going on for Val and, and Kenny and Justin and Emma and all those serving and Rachel, the work they've done, the campus is flourishing. College students, we're so proud of you. Keep preaching the gospel. We're seeing people move here to the west side ministries because they're seeing victories happening. And the last thing I want to bring to your attention is some incredible news we learned about in Zimbabwe this year. God added 27 souls since the start of 2020, even during the pandemic. And the churches are really seeing incredible things happening. Um, we're even seeing in uh, one place in Zambia, uh, John and Jane Malaya baptized their son. And what a dream when our children are baptized into Christ. Uh, in uh, Harare, Zimbabwe, Edwin and Christina Shumba baptized their daughter. And in Cape Town, South Africa, uh, Werner and Liz Vos baptized their daughter, Michaela. And this is just one geographic area of our fellowship of churches throughout the world where victory after victory is taking place. I'm getting regularly news from Lebanon in the middle of all that turmoil, baptism after baptism in the churches that we help support and mentor. And I want to call on all of us today to ask ourselves and answer in the affirmative. Hey, I will pledge allegiance to the kingdom of God. Thank you for joining us today. Let's close out with the final prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time to study the kingdom that you planned for hundreds of years that uh, really was designed to inspire and change our allegiances. Father, I pray that we could each answer in the affirmative that we pledge allegiance to your kingdom. Father, that true liberty and justice would take place in the family of God. That we would be committed to a kingdom of truth, a kingdom of redemption, and a kingdom of forgiveness. Thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.